You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, Mountain Bike Radio listeners, and thank you for coming back for a new episode of The Path Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Biking Park City. Go to mountainbikingparkcity.com, or if you're listening on the app, you just click on the link in the show notes while you're listening and check out what they have going on. Because from well-maintained beginner single track to open spaces to expert only downhill bike park terrain, the riding options in Park City, Utah are expansive. There are also two world-class resorts, Deer Valley Resort and a Park City Mountain that offer lift access riding to make sure you get the most out of your time in the saddle. Deer Valley operates three chairlifts in the summer so that you can access 70 miles of single track and four flow trails designed by Gravity Logic. And Park City Mountain operates three chairlifts accessing some of Park City's high alpine trails and lakes, including the Imba Epic Ride on the Mid-Mountain Trail. And there are bike parks in Park City. From beginner to expert lines, all types of riders can have fun at Park City's Dirt Jump Park. You may even catch a pro rider there doing a trick or two. Trailside Bike Park offers numerous flow trails, wall rides, rock gardens, pump tracks, and a skills area. So it's a great spot to warm up and play, and then jump on some flowy single track around the area. So check out all the great riding information, everything you need for your trip to Park City by going to mountainbikingparkcity.com. Thanks to them for sponsoring this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Now here it is, Path Podcast with Nathan, Tani, and Ak. I have long feared that my sins would return to visit me. And the cost is more than I can bear. Welcome to the episode of the Path Podcast. I, should, I guess I should pretense that a little bit. Hey, Ak and Tani, how's it going? Good to be here. This it, is Tani. It is great to be here. <laughs> so, uh... That made me think of the new Crank Brothers wheel release this last week. <laughs> and the uh, berating they got on Pink Bike. I missed it. It's, uh, yeah, Crank Brothers released their wheels that are uh, tuned front and rear. It's like different spoke counts, different stiffnesses. That, that was a while ago they released them. I think they like released it, released it, like on Pink Bike, like advertised it. Like a week ago or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. It was, it was like quite a to-do about it. Mm-hmm. And basically, just made me think that their sins of the past are just unforgivable. It doesn't matter what they do. Their wheel sins of the past. Their wheel sins of the past are more than they can bear. Okay. I, I think since you brought that up, we just have to introduce our guest so he can comment because he like is probably dying to comment already. Yes, for sure. We have we have a. This is not a guest, but a guest host, right? Get, guest host. Guest so host. Mike is um, one of the masterminds behind the path service department especially in tustin um one of our lead nerds um lead holder of tribal knowledge um another one of these people that is a reason i'm happy to go to work every day and um a real cornerstone of of Mike is usually the first person to like get his hands on a new service manual and really figure it out and like help everyone else on the staff see like this is the road this is what's different this is what's going to be different than what you're used to this is the thing that's going to be an obstacle or a hurdle or a new thing for you when you see this and um welcome to the show mike thank you thanks for having me 
Uh, I'm going to say, by way of introduction, uh, Brandon, who of course has been on the show a couple times, he was introducing me to a, a friend of his, and he said, yeah, we're like, this is Mike, we're two peas in a pod, we're kind of Batman and Robin, and then he like pauses and he's like, we haven't figured out who's who yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, and I, I also just wanted to, you know, let everybody know we're recording today, and hey, uh, Mike, 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 what day is it? Sorry. Uh, today, is, <laughs> Sorry. today is the number or the day of the week? It's it might, be a, it no, might be a non-binary <laughs> Batman and Robin relationship. <laughs> sorry, that was a really bad reference that I didn't prep Mike. Or, or, or maybe a um, Batman and Robin fluid situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it comes and goes. Although I think you probably have a better, I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. I'll add to this. One of the things I really, really appreciate about you, Mike, is that um, you will make jokes at my expense to my face, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> That's good to know. I was starting to lose faith in my... I, I, I do that on purpose, and then I was like going... I, I can't tell how Tawny's taking this. And uh, so that that's good to know. But, I dig you, know. you about I dig that about you, man. <laughs> it's, good. it's actually a good way to gain favor with me. <laughs> Thank you. I have like I'm I'm the big brother in my family, but I think I have like a slight little brother like mindset or something. I try to do that. It's with also the, too uh, it's like I just want to be one of the crew and I know that it, I feel like if if you're immune to that, then you're not one of the crew. So I try to do this with the younger techs there. Uh, some of them are, you know, half my age. And uh, so I'll always tell them, hey, that tire's on backwards. And when they're new, they look at the tire and they go, are, are you sure? No, it isn't. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. But you shouldn't have to look. You should already know. <laughs> and uh, I was really proud of uh, this one tech, Zach, that he'd been there for maybe two weeks. And I, like, said this tire is on backwards and he basically just looked up and just said F you. And I was like, okay, good. You're, you're good. I like that. (laughs) You guys both have that performance background. Oh yeah, we do. I, uh, I worked at performance, uh, store in Tustin for 11 years. I was the tech guy over there, kind of ran the service area for that most of that time. Um, so that was like a big change coming to the path. You think they ever referred to you as he over there? He, or him. He, he does like he doesn't want us, or he doesn't possibly. I uh, I came in there about six months after starting working at the path, which was three years ago, and someone was there that I didn't recognize, and I was like, "Oh hey, what's up? Uh, I'm Mike," and they were like, "Mike," and they're like, "Oh Mike, oh that Mike," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah," and they're like, "We've had people looking for you, and we sent them to the path." I'm like, "Yeah, some of them came over and found me. I know." <laughs> <laughs> You're him. I feel it's like someone goes in to get a tire lever. It's like, no, he doesn't like it when we do that. (laughs) (laughs) Are there signs popping up around the path? No standing here? (laughs) All joking aside, Mike isn't really that guy. (laughs) I don't want to be that guy. He might get a little red behind. He might get a little red on the back of the neck sometimes, and we're trying to all help him with that. But oh yeah, I need help with that. When when people come in actually and say like, "Well, no, I I want Mike to work on this," and then I think I feel like I've kind of failed a little bit because I want people to have the confidence in every technician at the Mm. path and just know that. The path is working on your bike. Well, it's and a it, double-edged sword. It's yeah. a vote of confidence, and I, I respect um, your other values set that you just expressed. That being said, there have been some customers who come in and said, "Like, 
hey, I heard you know DI too. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad you're talking to me. Like, <laughs> I, I will gladly be that person. That is one of your special areas of fascination and excellence. Oh, yeah. Okay, Batman. I'm <laughs> these toys. Where does he get these wonderful toys? Where does he get all those wonderful toys? All right. So Mike's been introduced. And Mike, if he wants, could have a shot at old Crank Brothers wheels if he wants, <laughs> if he wants a, lo- a, a lob. I have a problem when I call into a company and say, how do I measure the spoke tension on your proprietary spoke design? And they're like, well, you can send your customer over here. And I'm like, yeah, but I just want to true your wheel. And I don't know how to put a spoke tensiometer on this spoke because it's this two-sided, like, overlapping spoke thing. And can't really get an answer, and that's concerning. Um, that being said, they they have very beautiful packaging, and I really like <laughs> it. And, and, like, that's both poking fun, but it's also, like, I do appreciate, like, their graphic sensibilities. That's that's cool. They took a page from Apple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I think they, they admit that. Yeah. Well, and to clarify, the new wheels seem pretty sweet. Yeah, and so that that was the funny part, is as I looked at the release, I was like... You guys bought someone else's rad hub. You're using regular spokes and a carbon rim. I was like, you pretty much responded to every criticism. I was like, but. <laughs> I was well, like, the sins of your past. I, li- I like those things. I think they're a great concept. And, but within, yeah. I would like to respond to that criticism as well. What they didn't address is the design story of the rim itself and of the spokes selected. And the hub selected. That was, I think that was what they were pushing in the Pink Bike release this week. So I think we've touched on it in the past, but since we brought it up, I just want to like make sure that we hit on it because I think it's a cool story. The front rim is wider and the layup is designed for more yield, for more control. And it's uh, the, the front rim uses um, thinner spokes. And then the back or the front wheel uses thinner spokes. And then the back wheel is a thicker, heavier, stiffer layup with thicker spokes. So everything is going towards the rear wheel accelerating well and being strong and stiff. And the front wheel tracking well and being a little bit more damping and controlled. And I think that's a good story. And on my demo set, I think I felt that a little bit. And I'll add to that, that 321 hub seems like a really nice piece. I think that, it has a lot of engagement points. It's smooth. It seems really reliable and smart. I like this. I like the design story with the paws and the magnets. And I think the announcement this week was that they're using i nine hubs. Mm. Oh, that's new. That's the new story. Yes, I missed that part. So that, I think Hydra's that, now. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I just thought it was funny. My and messaging it, is old. I, I <laughs> thought it was a really interesting story on branding and reputation. Is you know like. In 2019, a Ford Ranger is probably as good as a Toyota Tacoma, but according to 1998, we ain't buying it. And it's basically well, I'm still in 1998 on that conversation, probably. But um, also, Pink Bike really is kind of the. Um, I love Pink Bike, and I love the comments, and I think I go to those comments to get in touch with a certain perspective. But those are the same people who were like never going tubeless, 26 for life. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and and like boost is stupid, and yes, um, one and one eighth headsets are the best, 
and like every yeah. new div- i mean you follow them, yes for sure but i i just think it's um i just thought it was an interesting exercise in branding and reputation and things like that i i think they actually made fine wheels i think they look great like I, i've pretty much zero complaints on them but it's gonna take them a long time to shake the rep i would honestly say that i for me the jury's out on the hydra hubs even though i respect i9 and i think they're probably going to be good yeah it's just too soon for me to get fully behind them especially with all those engagement points right which i agree with like i heard i heard the people on JRA talking about how they didn't necessarily trust a hub with that many engagement points and what about if is there extra drag and stuff and that was already what I was thinking I was like yeah exactly like bike shop yeah like fist bump bike shop <laughs> and uh but so far they actually do seem sweet yeah, yeah. I they're gonna be the next set of hubs that I get so that's yeah I'm kind of sold on them hub story aside my actual real feeling is that, and also like product brand guarantee aside, because I really like the guarantee that comes with the reserve wheels and those are good wheels, but just like performance wheel story alone, for me right now, I, I really like the Craig Brothers wheels. Well, I appreciate how they how they tested it. it, and, it and a lot of people, I think believe that a lot more product testing and field testing goes into the products that we actually see and coming from my background in product development you'd be surprised how little testing goes into a lot of products and the fact that they're like well we tried 20 riders and we like mixed and matched and did some numbers and this is what we came up with i'm like that is actually a really significant effort and if you had 20 riders and there was some kind of consensus even if it was just your own employees, like that's a bigger effort than I've ever seen out of anybody. Well, another thing that they did is they took two designers that were really committed to their design story who had opposing design stories and made them essentially come up with a, um, a collaborative proposal. Right. Which is often a good move, right? Like we do that at the path, right? Like the other thing is that they, they didn't just have a bunch of writers try them. They had the writers blind test them. So they gave them different configurations on their bikes and then just said, hey, did you like A configuration or B configuration more? And then consistently all the right. riders liked the stiffer wheel the more compl- in the back and the more compliant wheel up front. And yeah. so they found out that like they were gravitating toward that and it had a noticeable difference and it wasn't just uh, in right. theory. Well, and it's – we most of us run a wider tire in the front than the back and those of us who build our own wheels will sometimes run – a wider rim in the front than the back but to have a wheel set that comes that way is kind of cool right mm-hmm. well and and just an appreciation for the effort that they did like that's a lot of people a lot of time and a lot of money and and again i think people i i think there's an assumption out there that like well yeah doesn't everybody do that that's product testing i'm like no the bike industry is not doing that they well, don't have do a lot that. of knowledge acquisition with who they brought on board to design them right I don't have the names handy, but it was the design, like the founder of Envy and designer of Envy, and then the guy from Australia who was doing the compliant wheels. Yeah. So, just a point of clarification: you can get them with i nine Hydra or Project Three Two One hubs. Same price. I don't know. Doesn't and then for sixteen ninety nine, you can get them with the Crank Brothers No Name, just kind of standard Paul mm. hubs, which are right. which are probably better than well. 
They're probably on par. They're probably fine. Yeah. Probably fine. Rims are covered by a lifetime warranty, Mm. according to the release. Yeah. And Crank Brothers has promised us that they're going to be really generous with that as well and and take care of people with broken rims regardless of the situation, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I... uh, Hats it's off weird. To we him, did like an impromptu synthesis wheel commercial without even meaning to. Did. No, I, th- I, I, I think because that, you brought up that Pink Bike talked crap on him. Well, basically, I, I, and I mean that's arguable when you read through the comments. Like I didn't tally him up, but but generally, um, Crank Brothers does every time they release product, they there is a certain residual um, berating that they get, regardless of what they they deliver, and. Uh, I just think that was that was just an interesting to me it was an interesting exercise in in branding and reputation and it's it's the Ford Ranger to Toyota Tacoma story you know Well I like that that the um I don't know about these days who owns them and stuff but the founders they they're like local riders they really it's, ride Yeah it's a they were bought by I think it's the Celitalia conglomerate and um those guys kept the marketing in Laguna Beach. So I think Carl and Frank still consult and they work in the Laguna Beach office, but they moved pretty much everything else out to, I think, Utah. Um, so all their product development and engineering, which was being done in Laguna, switched out. So I think the, the brass of the company likes being by the beach. They are the kind of company that, on a lunch break, an enormous amount of employees will just go ride the trails like right out their back door it's pretty cool they definitely did in laguna oh yeah that's Um, yeah laguna yeah Yeah. but i think now it's a pretty small staff and i think i i get the impression it's a lot of sell italia staff that are posted up in laguna that's what i've been told yeah and they basically kind of like rebuilt the staff when they moved because you know most people didn't move out to utah um so i think they kind of rebuilt the staff out in utah um we should probably have someone from Crank Brothers on sometime. Winston. Yeah. Andrew. Winston's I know. associate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so so just real quick, run, running through some specs here. So um, same price for 321 or i9 Hydrus. Uh, front, inner, inner rim front is uh, width is 31 and a half. Interesting. I like uh, that half. Yeah. 31 <laughs> it's a, a nice half. half. 29 and a Some half. Some people call the, that a point five. That's right. <laughs> 29 and a half on the rear. Uh, let's see. Uh, 27 and a half inch wheels are listed at 1,760 grams, and the 29ers are at 1,825. Demo wheels available at the Path Bike Shop. Awesome. <laughs> there, were, there were some people talking crap on Pink Bike, and Crank Brothers was on there. And they're like, hey, we can get you a set of wheels. Do you want to try a set? <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, they're, they were really po- – they, they were very active in the, in the Pink Bike comments in, in that release. Because I think they, they know they're getting beat up out there for, because of a reputation of, you know, which I, I think is unfair. It's like, hey, you've been criticized and you actually responded to all of it. Yeah, like, and, and I think a lot of their most notorious issues are now getting like several, several years back. You know, and right. It's like – Hey, if the company switched fifty percent of their staff, then you know maybe it's this completely different yeah. decision makers. And you know what? I mean, I've designed a lot of products. I've designed some crap, and I've designed some good stuff. Well, they <laughs> took a chance on a they took a chance on something different. Yeah, and it had it had its benefits and its aesthetic qualities, and they did not work. 
It I is kind of awkward. <laughs> I think overall they worked pretty well. I think the the hub was sometimes a bit of a liability if compared to the most elite hubs. Right. Um. They have a great great customer service. Really great. I mean, yeah. as long as we're doing a Crank Brothers commercial, <laughs> their customer service is fantastic, and they'll help you right there on their shop, and they'll support us in helping you. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, do we want to roll into what Mike's here to talk about? Well, how about a little bit of news? And I want to oh, hit yeah. a quick correction and, re- and clarification from the last show. Somehow, I think I said on the last show that the Mega Tower is a 150 travel bike and it's a 160 travel bike. So you can't use your fork. You were fork. a whole 10 millimeters off? That's like almost half an inch, dude. Inconceivable. No. Well, because we were talking about it in the context of whether or not we can move the. And then I went P. And I didn't even hear part of the conversation until I listened to the show later. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, this I was wrong. And then it like went further off the rails. <laughs> and you started talking like 150 front, 160 rear. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no. And then I also, I think I kind of made it sound like I thought the suspension on the high tower was better suspension than the suspension on the trance. But what I was trying to say is just more suspension, mm, mostly. Yeah. And I had a and I had an ACS kit on the fork and a coil shock on the back. But Right. Yeah, so that's it. All right. I do not – I think that um, Maestro is on par with any suspension, like apples in an apples-to-apples comparison. <laughs> and I think that the Mega Tower has 160 travel. <laughs> Thanks well, you know that the Mega Tower has 160 <laughs> travel. Yeah. And there are demo versions in the shop. Yeah. Medium and large so far. More to come. Oh XL's right around the corner. Nice. I'd love to demo that medium. You probably will then. Yeah. Double XL? Did yeah. they make a triple? Did they just make... They just made a double, You're right? so large. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm so long. <laughs> Uh yeah, more news. More I got news. more news, and you might notice I, I I I made a little sneaking change, and I changed shop news to just news. Yeah, <laughs> because it's, fake. it's because it's not just shop news. Because we're gonna be including, we're, we're gonna make a a bigger effort to just include local news in general, in in addition to like spe- path specific shop news. Like the giant cookie bake off? No, no, I'm kidding. For <laughs> example, Tustin City Council is really. Yeah. <laughs> for example, the Rwanda ride is a rad event if you want to go out and do a big social ride and support a good cause. And the last day to sign up is April 25th. They're going to have a 75 mile. I take year. that back. The last day to sign up online. I think you can do same day sign ups, but it's not as good. Right. They're, uh, uh, I'm, they're going to do a 75 mile. They've always, the longest one's always been a 50, and now they're going to do a 75. Ooh. That's a big day. Yeah. And I like that ride because it builds participation in the sport, and I also like that ride because it uses bikes to create opportunity for people who might not have as much opportunity. Mm. Yeah, it's a good charity. So, yeah, Rwanda, good good thing to participate in, good, good experience, and um, a good cause. Um, what else we got? We have a YouTube channel now. Oh, the path, path has a YouTube channel now. Oh, sick. So we're going to be posting more video content. Maybe we'll even someday video the podcast. I don't oh know. Oh, boy. Rogan does it. <laughs> we probably won't. Mark keeps telling me, you guys got to 
video your podcast. Mark. Mark from the shop. Oh, oh that guy. Yeah, Mark the tech. Yeah. We should have him on someday. He's, he's... <laughs> <laughs> Are you laughing at my that guy? <laughs> yes. That'd be, that'd be priceless. That'd be awesome. I didn't mean to say that guy like he's that. Ahead of, he's ahead of the time because he's been telling us about video. He's been telling me advocating video for a while. I, well, I didn't mean to say, oh, that guy like that. But I was, it was more like, oh, that guy. No, Not Mark, an, oh, Mark that guy. Mark is great. Mark worked in like assembling bikes for GT, like, you know, when I was, God, a teenager. I don't know. <laughs> so, so what are we, what should we expect to see from the YouTube Path Bike Shop? Um, probably some video from some shop rides. Um, maybe some, some employee bike features where employees introduce their bikes. Um, maybe some tech bulletins and, and some tutorials and how to stuff. Um, you can see me, um, pitching our fit, uh, our fit process. If you want one customer called and immediately scheduled a fit and told me I looked nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe I've got a um, face for radio. (laughs) Nice. Man, and there's... also ticks for radio. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna pull up some stuff from 2006. Really on our YouTube channel on the Path YouTube nope, channel? If you just if you just YouTube search the Path Bike. Oh channel. right, but if you go to our YouTube channel, it's all fair, fairly new. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In other news, Lusion Brews is coming up. That's a cool event. And you can demo some bikes and hang out and go for a cool ride and drink some good beer. So I almost mis- misheard that that's luge and bruise. Luge in bruise. In bruise. Okay. Got it. Luge and bruise. Like the trail the luge and bruise. Well, it's not A-N-D. It's just the letter mm. N. Yeah. I almost heard like it was like a new name. It was like illusion bruise. It's, like a it's new like, com- like a <laughs> pronounced. I hate to say it, but it's pronounced phonetically. <laughs> I had a friend from England that who would was be like, AKI. have you ever eaten it in and out? And I was like, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Do you go mountain biking? Yeah. Do you ride in the mountains? <laughs> Did you go across the creek? <laughs> I like mountain bikes. April 20th, so 420, Legion Brews. Legion at, at Cook's Corner. We're going to have... Um, we put aside some pretty hot demo bikes to bring out there, like 10 or 15, including the Mega Tower and some other hot ones. So get out there for some good demos. Man, you should, get on, you should get in on the Path Bike Shop YouTube channel early. Who should? You all. Oh, uh, y'all. Y'all. The listeners. You all should get in on the Path Bike Shop. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all listeners <laughs> should get in on... We've got 15 subscribers. You could be the 16th, like, right now. Boom, I'm 16. Oh, nope, yeah, I'm, I'm 16. Right Too late, I'm 16. Uh, Ock just deployed the sky comma. <laughs> the, I did, the yeah. Po- the sky comma. The sky comma. <laughs> All right. <laughs> in other news, our rides have been growing. I went on the Sunday shop ride. That was fun. We rode Oaks. We went. Um, we met at Irvine Park because they put in two-hour parking signs at, um, what is it, Santiago Hills Park? Yeah. Mm. So now we're meeting, Now we're all paying the five bucks to park at Irvine Lot Park. Can you get a season pass you for can. that? Yeah. 50, 50 bucks 
for uh, a year. It's a poor oh, co- yeah. Another good cause. Does that get you to the beach too? That's not the state park. Maybe I don't know. Ock, Ock just gave me the face where maybe it's not. I'm, no, I mean like I was a little surprised. <laughs> I I paid my fifty bucks and literally have paid for that thing probably three times over already. Yeah, you cheap bastards. Sorry, it's awesome. <laughs> you know it's that it's that kind of thing where I never had a pass. And then I never needed. I'm like, why do I want to pay fifty bucks for a pass? Badges. And <laughs> and now that I have one, I use that thing all the time. <laughs> it's it's like front of the line service at the club. <laughs> VIP. It is. So we went up shoots down the trail, formerly known as Dead Kitty. Now now known as I think is it called Deer? Deer, it's called yeah. deer. Yeah, deer's the one up the top. Yeah, the loop. Yeah, and then we uh, we went down um, that trail that comes down from the top of the second B down to the kind well, of junction. Grasshopper, grass, hawk. Yeah, no, not hawk. Second B, grasshopper. The top. Uh, no, that is hawk. the top of the second B. It wasn't it? hawk. It's mm. the one that comes down to the junction of mm. um, the junction of. Of Coach Whip and Cactus and Bumblebee, Bumblebee and it is, yeah, so that's a portion oh, of yucca. Bumblebee. Yucca, ah. thank you. You're welcome. Ooh, high speed, high speed. Oh, that's we at the base yucca. of the third B. That's why I'm confused. We, the top we the saw second. a pretty big rattlesnake, and the, and everything is super overgrown compared to even like two oh weeks gosh. ago. Cactus is way a we saw a pretty big rattlesnake. The group almost turned around. I, th- I threw some non-native mustard plant at it. Awesome. <laughs> and it scooted off the trail. <laughs> and uh, then we climbed back up and went down the chutes. It was a good group ride and a good group, and I think people should join our group rides. I had a fun time, and I think most people would have a fun time. Yeah. There was some humor. <laughs> 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 Did she just snort? I got laughed with the punchline humor. <laughs> it happens from time to time. And parking inside the park, you got one extra up and down. I guess. Up and down. That would be mm, down. <laughs> up and down. <laughs> Sky comma. This makes me think of my one of my favorite non words, which is nother. Nother. I'll that, take another. Like you got another. I'll another take another cookie. You got another up and down. Another climb. <laughs> because I, I actually have done this thinking where we used to park at the little at the little park. You have to pedal on the street to get there. Yeah, and then you got to pedal all the way back by parking in the park. I think you actually you manual get, back. Actually, you can manual. You, I, and I've seen you do that. You get a, almost a, enough time to a full another up and up and down. Hmm. Anyways, it's more fun. Five bucks, three bucks. And there's pretty much always parking there always at, the, at the times that we're riding usually. Yeah. So Agreed. So we have rides going on most Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And every other Tuesday we have a new format we're doing where we meet at the top of given trails at five, six, and seven. So, like, if you're late, you can still come. Implementing that. Awesome. Right. I think that was a really good idea. Fun stuff. So where where do they need to check to get those specific... Because the devil's in the details on catching the group. 
So where, where do we find the details? You can go to our website, thepathbikeshop.com, and click on events and see our ride. We always have our rides up there. You can also check out our Facebook or in our shop. We have our ride boards posted all the time. Do we... Working out details on the podcast. Is that okay? Let's do it. All right. So I was talking to some younger professionals today, and they were saying that not just posting, like, a post on Facebook, but using Facebook events through the groups. Like if you had the Path Bike Shop group and then posting the event, inviting people to an event through Facebook, they said like that has pretty big traction in this kind of younger professional. So, Well, and you get the, yes, I'm going, no, I'm not going. And then sometimes you're like, oh, that guy's going, I'll go. Like you do see the list like that. But anyways, just an idea for consideration. No need for further discussion. Or we can. <laughs> I love it. No, these are this is a good idea. I think we sort of do something like that, but I'm not sure if we're util, util, we do events and we invite people. I'm not sure if we're doing the um, groups part, but I'm sure that if we're not, we'll explore it now. Um, and it just made me think of all the, you know, we're at this at this moment in time, we're really getting traction with this new paradigm shift on the group events on Facebook. <laughs> so. <laughs> Cool. Fantastic. I want Mike to say something. Something. Uh, I so <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the Facebook uh events I I basically see every single ride that goes through because I just get like a notification that's like, oh the path just added three more oh, events yeah. and I know the, oh Val just put up all the rides for this week. On the events. Yeah. And we're already doing that. Um, well, plus we're really up on it now with cancellations and things like, (laughs) because I'm kind of not on Facebook. We're really good on communicating and updating those events if anything changes. So it's, you can kind of feel confident that, uh, if something goes wrong, then you're going to know and you're not going to show up there by yourself. Pac and I only use Insta. Public. You can also, a lot of asking for forgiveness. A lot of people don't like Facebook and, um, Maybe they shouldn't. And if you <laughs> don't want to be participating in um, ha- having, if you don't want to participate in Facebook, you can just sign up for our email newsletter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can Sorry. click on our website at the top. Uh, at the top, there's a sign up for our email newsletter link. <laughs> Nathan, please bring it. What do you got? Oh, no, I think that was awesome. It's just like, oh, some people don't like Crank Brothers wheels, and maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the maybe. Sh- <laughs> I recently listened to a podcast that was all about the evils of Facebook and Instagram and Google. Oh, yeah. And, and Amazon. I right? didn't buy in all the way, but there were some good points made, <laughs> including like the um, the kind of what are the – what you know how – like what what they want is engagement and what creates engagement is usually not positive for those who are being in other words like it's not usually like really great inspirational topics that make us come back every 30 seconds it's like insecurities and rage and well it's a it's an age old media uh known entity right if it bleeds it leads yes mm-hmm. so it is a, it is not a new problem it's no. just a new. It's just a new, um, new packaging pla- platform. It's a platform. Platform. I'm, I'm going to respond with another uh, to add on to all the uh, phrases that you dug into last week. There's one at the path that I've been trying to outlaw, which is it is and it isn't. 
<laughs> Unfortunately, some of these mechanics that are half my age will have now figured out that that really makes me mad, and that's what they say it every time they can. But uh, <laughs> it isn't, it isn't. Is that, Don't how, repeat this. How, how close is that to the yeah, no? Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, no to me feels just like a Southern Californian thing. Uh, okay. I, think it's a, I think it's like a meta bottom line. It's like you might. It's like for the. It's like bottom line for those who th- see the world in more dynamic terms. <laughs> well, I mean, I understand the principle. It's like a confirmation: yes, I heard you, and a negative: I disagree with you. It's right, the, yeah, right. no. Well, yeah. It, or it's like I agree with you within a, a certain context, but I think there might be another important context. <laughs> it isn't. It isn't. At the end of the day, when? At the end of the day, really? <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it is and it isn't is and isn't one of those terms. <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. <laughs> I'll tell you. What. <laughs> oh, I love it. The fillers, they're so good. You can play bingo with them. We have. <laughs> what do you think all us corporate desk jockeys do all day? We come up with bingo cards for this and, shit. <laughs> in like actual conversation, it's also a really good thing to avoid those if you're ever talking to someone who English is not their first language. Like, oh, it messes them up. All that stuff is so difficult for like it's just all these extra words to process. Well, imagine the through. yeah, no. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Come on. Okay. Qua? English isn't my second language, and I have a hard time with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> In Spanish, see no. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's one of those things where you just wish sometimes that people could just talk in technical writing style all the time. Yeah. You know. Hey, but can then, I have a burrito? But yeah, then no. everyone's words would just go to like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. No flavor at all. Oh, I know. All right. Okay. Well, are we done with news? I think we're done with news, and those who done. don't like news can breathe a deep sigh of relief. Maybe you don't like news. Or maybe you shouldn't. Or wait, no. It's, <laughs> some don't like news. Maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, it, it upsets a lot of people, <laughs> and I don't see them doing a lot about it. <laughs> uh, I just changed the channel. I don't have channels anymore. What am I talking about? Yeah, I was going to say, channel. Grandpa. <laughs> I haven't had channels since 2006. Huh. Cord cutter. That's me. All right. Hey, this is Ben Welnack. I'm jumping in here again with a thanks to Mountain Biking Park City. If you go to mountainbikingparkcity.com, you can get all your information about the great riding in Park City, Utah. From well-maintained beginner single track and open spaces to expert-only downhill bike park terrain. The riding options in Park City really are endless. There are also two world-class resorts, which are Deer Valley Resort and Park City Mountain. They offer lift access riding to make sure that you get the most out of your time in the saddle. Deer Valley operates three chairlifts in the summer, so you can access 70 miles of single track and four flow trails designed by Gravity Logic. And the Park City Mountain operates three chairlifts, accessing some of Park City's high alpine trails and lakes, including the Imba Epic Ride on the Mid-Mountain Trail, and bike parks. So Park City has bike parks from beginner to expert lines and something for all types of riders. You can have fun at Park City's Dirt Jump Park. You may even catch some pro riders. They're doing some tricks. Possibility. If not, you're still going to have fun. Seriously. 
Trailside Bike Park offers numerous flow trails, wall rides, rock gardens, pump tracks, and a skills area. It's a great spot to warm up and play, and then jump on some of the flowy single track that surrounds the area. So check it out, guys. Park City, Utah. Check out the great riding information, all the details. Go to mountainbikingparkcity.com, or if you're listening on the app, just click in the show notes, click on the link. Special thanks to them, and uh, you can keep listening to this and uh, search around and see what they have going on. So thanks. Back to it. Mike, 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 Mike. Mike's a gamer. Oh, yeah. Kind of a semi-gamer. Uh, retired, kind of. Semi-retired. <laughs> semi-retired. <laughs> did, you, did you get a scholarship? I hear they give out scholarships now. <laughs> USC now. has a whole school in that. that before my time. <clears throat> uh, so I really wanted to talk a little bit about electronic componentry tonight. Oh, my gosh. Kind of why we brought you here, because you're um, such an advocate. Yes, prophet. Proselytizer, I yeah. think. I like to pro yeah proselytizer. Is that a word? One who proselytizes. <laughs> so a little like short backstory. I uh, I really liked the idea of Di two when it was kind of showing up on road bikes, and then they announced the mountain stuff. And so we're talking, you know, say six years ago, something like that, and eventually got it onto uh, Santa Cruz fifty ten two that I had. I I really loved it. It was kind of an ordeal figuring out how to make it all work and trying to do internal routing. Yeah, take us through that build that you did and, and how we did that for a lot of people too. Yeah, so the Shimano Di2 stuff, it's got a separate battery, and the battery has to kind of find a place to go somewhere on your bike. So You have to find a place for your battery <laughs> to go. It's yeah. not going to find it on its own. Right. It's <laughs> So this battery is probably about, say, 10 inches long. It's about half an inch in diameter, just kind of a cylinder, and it's got a wire hooked up to it. So that battery, uh, the internal one, was designed like not to really be out and exposed to the elements, and you could I'm going to go with six inches long. Oh, I mean, everyone's got an opinion, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm just picturing my head tube. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So they made it. Like, I'm pretty sure, like... I'm pretty sure my head tube was cut to less than eight inches, and mm. it fit inside my head tube. <laughs> nice. And that's cool. Wait. You guys are so phallic right now. I'm sorry. Your head tube I was cut to less than eight inches, and it fit inside your head tube. Yeah. Okay. Is this crazy? What are you, why are you <laughs> laughing at me? <laughs> so Shimano designed this internal battery uh, intending for it to go inside of rigid seat posts on road bikes, uh, and that's great. And then we got mountain bikes with dropper seat posts. So you got to find a different place for the battery. Uh, some companies did some cool things like Pivot has this little port that the battery installs to. Like it kind of goes underneath through the down tube and up into the cavity of the like seat right tube. Right in front of the bottom bracket. Yeah. And it, real clean. But then they got to kind of build the bike around the idea of having this battery there. Not many other manufacturers did that. So Shimano had some ideas. And we had some ideas, and the idea was maybe we can put this battery in the head tube and then maybe seal off the bottom a bit, find a way for the battery to be held, and then feed the wire up out the top. Was it before Shimano came out with the like holder that we did it with um, packing materials, or was it just because they didn't have it in stock at the time? Or uh, It's a combination of things, and that Because we were doing holder. it with like packing foam for a while, and then we got those battery holders from so Shimano. We, we took a, um, 
a chunk, an ESI grip, and then just cut it like half mm. length and put it around the battery, and it fit super well and was really secure. But you could like grab onto it and move it if you needed to. Um, the more complicated part was how do we get this wire out of the top cap and then like into the little junction that's on so your So we were drilling holes in headset top caps? Yes, and also trying to figure out how to have a star nut in there so that you can still tension your headset bearings. Um, so sometimes we were kind of drilling gaps into the star nut and feeding the wire around it. Mm. So then you're punching in a star nut while you have this $30 wire you're trying not to damage, yeah. and that's fun. Um, Shimano had kind of a built-in design, but you had to use their stem for it, and maybe it wasn't a great stem design. Tharsis. Yeah. I think it was fine, but I didn't love the curve. I didn't. For me, I feel like um, sweep and rise of bars is a really personal thing, and it's not a... It's not a quant- it's not a um, qualitative criticism. In other words, I don't think it's a comment on the engineering or design of the product. I just think that, like for me, it wasn't a great fit. So they've got all these parts that you kind of have to use to make it work. So on top of that, Santa Cruz, their normal derailleur hose routing or uh, housing routing runs internal inside the down tube with a pathway, and then comes out and bridges across to the swing arm, and then goes to the derailleur. So I'm looking at this wire and thinking, well, I can't have this wire like hanging loose in the kind of middle of the frame. It has no structure, so it's not going to stay it's in Russia. a <laughs> it's not going to stay in a consistent shape. Um, and actually, a uh, contact at Santa Cruz who was thinking about putting Di2 on his bike said, "Oh, I got this idea." So kind of follow along with me here. You've got your let's dropper. unpack this. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've got your dropper line entering the head tube running internally inside the frame, following a pathway. And then as it makes the turn to go up to the seat tube, it kind of just opens and is now just in the open cavity of the seat tube. At the same time, you've got a hole or two holes, two screw holes where a front derailleur adapter, remember those, Hmm. uh, Hmm. used to, it was there on the 5010 2.0 so that you could mount a front derailleur Mm -hmm. if you wanted to. So basically, I ran the DI2 cable alongside the dropper seat post hose um, all the way down that pathway and then had it come out that little hole in the back of the seat tube. And then I just bridged it across to the, uh, the swing arm. Um, so it, it looked pretty clean. It was pretty unique. Uh, it was a lot of work. It was probably the most time-consuming internal routing job I've ever done, and I've done a lot of them. Um, and... So I liked the idea of electronic shifting. I liked the precision. I liked the ability to jump through two gears at a time really fast. Um, it was also, you know, fairly expensive components compared to some normal mountain bike components. And I was still stuck on a 11-speed drivetrain that didn't have a gear range that really appealed to me. Uh, and I really liked the way that Eagle performed. So then SRAM starts kind of you hear echoes about, oh, well, we're just going to make the SRAM red stuff onto Eagle, and we're going to have wireless mountain shifting. And I guess, who was the racer that... Nino Scherter. Yeah, all those, like, spy photos kept showing up, and um, once they announced and had that idea out, I was completely sold. Like, I love the way that the Shimano Di2 stuff worked, but it was more just the fact that it was electronic shifting that drew me, and all the benefits and the uh, uh, the better design features that it has. So I'm really sold on the Eagle AXS stuff now. Could you walk us through some of those 
that appeal to you? Yeah. I, the install's hilariously fast. It's like you bolt it on, you bolt it on, you size your chain, and then just like do some adjustments. And a lot of times getting cables hooked up is a lot more time-consuming. Um, figuring out where those route, especially with the prevalence of internal routing on a lot of frames now. Um, so the simplicity, uh, the ease of charging the battery, I don't need to bring something down to like plug into the bike that's in the garage or wherever. Um, I can just take the battery off the rear derailleur in about two seconds and just walk inside with it and drop it on the charger and an hour it's completely charged. And then that's giving me about 30 hours of usage. So if I plug it in like once every two weeks, you know, fine. What about the shifter battery? Uh, shifter battery lasts a quite a long time. It's like a simple like button battery, like a 2032. Like a, like a, like a year. type battery. Yeah. And it'll give you like six months to a year. Sounds so like it actually is a 2032. It is. Yeah. So if I'm going to ride for like more than 30 hours, can I carry an extra battery? Yeah. And those batteries are very, very light and very small. Are they uh, expensive? It, Do we know yet? Like 60 bucks. That's um, not bad. I'm probably going to get an extra battery because I'm planning on getting the Reverb AXS as well. So I'll have two of those batteries on my bike, and then I'll just have a third one. And they all use the same battery, so they can just swap around if you need to. Nice. Also, two two is one and one is none. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I was that a- might be a bottom line statement. <laughs> I think we found that out tonight. <laughs> so the ease of use, uh, the features uh, on their like companion smartphone app are very simple to use. Um, pairing is you press two buttons and the lights blink and you're done. And that's it. You showed me this in the shop. Yeah. The first, the first time we got a box into the shop and there's about four customers kind of standing around and they were looking at the box and they're like, Oh, that's new. That's that new thing I heard about. And what's this? It's this Grupo is $2,000. Like this is ridiculous. And I don't say anything. And I just start opening the box up and start ripping stuff out of the box and grab the battery, plug it in pair it like in front of them. And then I set the shifter down on the case and everyone's kind of looking at it. And I walk over to this guy at the other end of our counter and hand him the shifter and say, here, start, start clicking this. And he's like, okay. And then it starts moving, you know, <laughs> and it's like 15 feet away on the counter and everyone like takes a step back and it's just like, we're seeing a derailleur move and there's no cable hooked up to it. <laughs> and like, and that was such a paradigm shift. You could see it in everyone's eyes and they're like, well, I don't want to spend $2,000 on this right now, but I get it. Like, I understand kind of where yeah. we're moving now. When I think when it's available as a shifter and a derailleur, it's probably going to be a little over a grand. Uh, just the shifter and derailleur? I think so. I'm, guessing, if you... I'm guessing 600 based mm-hmm. off the price difference. I don't get it. I mean, if you back out the cranks, cassette, chain, I think you're still over a grand on an XX1 kit. I'm going to have to look at that. I'm curious well, about grand, that pricing, too. I mean, roughly speaking, cranks, cassette, and chain are almost a grand, and it was two grand. Oh, right. It's not just the price difference. It's the actual. Uh, yeah, I got to think about that. So so I got a question in, in light of this, and I think there's a sleeper product out there, and I think you probably know what I'm talking about. It's the Archer. Is this the conversion thing where it's like yeah yeah it's the it's the little remote motor mm-hmm. that you run like a little four inch cable zip tie it to your chainstay and you have a remote control shifter and you can run it on anything and their their app lets you like seven speed six speed eight speed nine speed ten speed eleven speed whatever you want and you just program it and it it syncs out 
So I can think of one distinct difference right off the bat breakaway. that's like really, really. That's another one. So Mike mentioned breakaway, which means that on the AXS derailleur, when it hits a when it hits something, it breaks away instead of breaking. So the it doesn't fight. The, the it is just like let the pivots just move and let it move instead of like not instead of breaking, right? But I so I don't know if that's true in the Archer system, but it there's no be, there's no reason that you it. can't program that in. Right. Well, no, you could you couldn't in the sense that you still have like the spring resist like. Oh, is the AXS? It's all motor. pulling both directions. Yeah, so that's my next point. Oh. Is that this is pulling? This is motorized both directions. You're not relying on a spring. So the AXS trailer does have a spring in it, okay. but I'm guessing that they're they're doing it kind of garage door style, where they're trying to balance out, you know, some of the the tension. But it is motorized there. in both directions, right? I'm it, not sure, but it, it might, sounds different shifting one way versus mi- the other. So here's what I would say: is this is where I think it swirls around. This might be where Shimano laid a lot of patents down. I think Shimano might have laid claim on the motorized both directions in that because when SRAM came out with their wireless they did have to no doubt they did have a minefield to walk through and that may have been one of them i uh, yeah intellectual property minefield yeah right now with the archer system it's works the same so like if you impact a rear derailleur i I think one of the things to me that would be appealing to the archer system is it's about 400 bucks and if you want to you can put an nx rear derailleur on there and as far as a, you know, theoretically damageable piece, um, you have a fairly inexpensive sacrificial piece. I suspect there will be an NX or GX level AXS mm-hmm. shifter and derailleur within so, 12 to 14 months that's like five, 600 bucks. That there's make already that right. like a road. There's already a force AXS group that's been announced. So like they're already kind of there with the road stuff and I can see them following suit very quickly with the mountain stuff. Right. Well, I think, yeah, once they make more of it, they'll probably get the cost of, the, you know, if the motors are used on all of them and the batteries are used on all of them, they're upping their, their buys, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I have to believe from a supply chain standpoint, little electric motors and little batteries and little circuit boards are... We as as a planet, we make a lot more of those than we make derailleurs. <laughs> well, and that stuff the, may be entering into its own like bubble economy. Like I yeah. don't know. The thing, the thing though, is that like a lot of people aren't going to be sitting down and deciding, do I spend two thousand dollars to get this group? Um, because so I was comparing this to the way that like a lot of reverb seat posts entered the market. Like that was an expensive thing when it was first released compared to what we were used to, but. Instead, we just sold a whole bunch of Santa Cruz's that all had reverb seat posts on them. And suddenly you've got thousands upon thousands of reverbs entering the market. And we're going to see bikes that are going to come equipped with this drivetrain. To that point, Santa Cruz isn't even offering XX1, not AXS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's well, rad. And that's a way for someone to get that drivetrain for effectively way lower than, you know, $2,000. Like when you buy a I don't new know about bike. That. I think if we custom built build an AXS kit, it'll be with like some changes will be a value equivalent. In other words, I think that 10,300 or whatever yeah, bike. leaves room for us to custom build that bike the same way for the same price. But even if it is like just 10% effectively lower, that's still like a price that's going to be tough to find like aftermarket because of the profit on those. We'll have to see if it is. I don't think it is. Hmm. It'll be interesting. I'm pretty sure it's not because the ninety three hundred dollar current Santa Cruz is something we can build 
for an equivalent value. Like it costs us about the same to build that bike as to order it that way. Mm -hmm. And this is just a thousand bucks more, which is like kind of what AXS is. True. So just really quick, going back to the Archer, because you were saying it's not going to have this bump resistance, but I think because it's grafting onto a spring-loaded derailleur, you, yeah. you do have the... No, it could have that. You have the you have the inherent mechanical bump resistance of any yeah. existing derailleur. It could have that, and it's, it's any system that's using electronics to accomplish this and getting rid of trying to transmit a millimeter of cable movement at a time over like a six-foot distance is going to innately have the benefits of these overall of you know these electronic systems. Right. I'm not sure on the recharge on the Archer. I don't think it's a removable battery. I think you have to plug a little micro USB into the module. Mm-hmm. Do we that, know anyone or have we heard of anyone who's used it? Um, not personally, but I it you know there's a number of online blogs the that have messed are with good. it. You know, I I I can't say that I'm I I think one of the mics on Pinkbike has one on like kind of his you know funky bike. I think people have used them. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm really interested. I'm personally very interested in trying it at the $400 price point and slapping it on. Like, actually, here's my Frankenstein drivetrain at the moment is I want to, and this is kind of funky, but bear with me. A Sunrace cassette, 1146, 11 speed Sunrace cassette at um, 65 bucks retail, and an NX rear derailleur, and the Archer system. I just want to hurl a ta- set of takeoff BB7s at that setup. Just like, <laughs> chuck, just like chuck it at it. Sorry to be an elitist. No, Maybe that's fair. Now I'm the elitist. No. I ordered one of those Sunrace cassettes for my, uh, for my future bike, which we will talk about later. So one of the reasons the that pole. I'm like very sold overall on the SRAM stuff is that we've had other electronic options before already. And the SRAM setup seems to be easy to use and like customer friendly and just um, like we were saying earlier, it almost has that Apple sheen to to it where right. like they've sort of addressed all of the like minor, tiny shortcomings. The but it doesn't have things. that. Oh, it maybe it does. I was going to say it doesn't. You know, when you get a new iPhone and like it, like. 99% of the population while they're setting it up gets really angry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is... But I was going to say it doesn't have that, but then I thought about that customer who called us while they were setting it up. And Well, <laughs> yeah, and that was some of my original, my notes after my install. It's on my bike right now, and it was like, oh, man, the trim adjust is like twice as granular as a barrel adjuster, and that's like something that'll trip up you know, an experienced mechanic like myself. Cause I'm like, Oh, click this four times and it'll be aligned. Oh no, click it like 20 times. and It'll be aligned. But, I uh, the first person that we sold an AXS group to access, the first person we sold an access group to had been using DI two on like three or four bikes. And I told him you need to get this stuff. And he kind of came down and bought it and we installed it for him. And he pulls out his phone to like, start looking at the app. And he just goes, Oh my god, this is so much easier than the like Shimano yeah. app that was that I had to use before. And yeah. instead of like, okay, log in, press this button. Okay, now you're connected. It's sort of like you open your phone and oh, I'm connected. Like done. Yeah. And punch this button. My shifter paddles are switched, ready to go. It's that very looks, simple. That looks pretty cool. I'm still interested in the Archer, the the Archer system, but um, I, I really suspect that even like we don't know for sure what the XO one shifter derailleur is going to be but like what if that's 850 
Like, what does that no, do? No, yeah, for sure. I think similar. once we're getting down to the GX level, and if I could get a shifter, so the the the, the um, what would you uh, pay to not have to mess with like a non-integrated thing? Two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, one hundred bucks. So I think the so the Archer system being four hundred. Let's say they can get a GX shifter and derailleur down to. Five hundred bucks, five or five fifty. I, I think, and it, and you can remove the battery, and the battery works with all these other batteries that every shop. Well, carries. and you're not messing around with a cable to set it up. Still, like C- correct. Um, yes, and bolting yeah. something to your chain stay that might slip or like the the important are the the thing that appeals to me, and this is kind of this is just a general principle that I like on a, a lot of bikes in general is. Um, just having the sacri- potentially sacrificial parts being as inexpensive as possible. Fair. Um, and so that's why the I've, derailleur. We're talking about the derailleur, right? And the old school version of this was an XTR shifter and an and an LX rear derailleur, yeah. and, and the newer version is like an NX rear derailleur on your with an X01 shifter. Like it feels great. The tail end doesn't. You're not really going to feel that difference. But when you smash it up after a season, you got to get a new one. It's like seventy bucks instead well, of. And actually, this this gets me to like one of the things that uh, I wanted to touch on tonight, which is that the conversation over, hey, do I go with electronic stuff or not? A lot of times is actually just uh, a it's a conversation that's built around how we understand mechanical stuff to work. And we're not even in that ballpark anymore. So they can design a rear derailleur that is sturdier in certain ways that might have made it. Uh, difficult for cable actuated system system to shift, and they're not like harnessed or, or uh, shackled anymore. So, right. and that's the breakaway is like kind of just the beginning of that. Like, right. there's so many things that are just based around this, let's say, eighty year old like cable actuated design that we started with. Right. So think of the breakaway. Think of the fact that the derailleur breaks away on impact rather than breaking mm-hmm. as a metaphor for the ways in which it's going to be designed more to I'm for kind of that's what Mike I think is trying to say. Yeah, and, and I, I think that as they explore these ideas more and more, we're gonna find that people are getting into these crashes where, you know, you get up, lift your bike up and go, I know my derailleur hangers like hosed or my derailleurs hosed. And it's like, no, it's not a thing anymore. It's but fine. I'll add to that. Like I've banged a lot of, I have a lot of scraped up, scratched up rear derailleurs and bent hangers and all that. But like even not mechan- even just standard derailleurs, I haven't blown up that many from hitting rocks. In right. the last no, and I, I totally agree. This, and that's why my concern is theoretical. And I, I had this conversation the other day with a friend. I was like, when was the last time you saw or yourself, honest to God, just broke a chain? I was like, I haven't seen that in a really long time. Or blew personally. Up a derailleur, uh, actually broken a derailleur. Or, or you know what used to happen all the time? And I'm not sure if exactly why, but pulleys used to fall out all the freaking time well and I used when to we pack do a see broken derailleurs it usually is because it got caught on the spokes right well since we don't have broken chains happening as much we get less of those uh open links snagging the derailleur and yeah. causing just wholesale destruction so right that was a common thing for a while <laughs> so but like common chains wear but the last time i think i can't say i've personally ever seen a true broken chain on a modern like on 11 speed one by on up 
Beyond, I don't think I've seen it personally. Beyond, like random warranty issues that obviously aren't are just you know trees I, within and my forest. personal circle. I yeah. it's never happened to me, and I've never seen it in person. You guys see a lot more people on a daily basis, right? But I haven't seen it. Whereas, pretty, it, it is very rare. Compared but nine to speed the, like, chains used to be like you well, know every fifth group ride. Someone well, and here's here's an irony is that. With every new number of speeds, everyone said the chains were going to get weaker. They're not. Right. Yeah. Well, this is the conversation I have with people when they say, You did oh, pink bike? <laughs> They're like, I don't want this hollow pin chain because I think it's going to be weaker. And I'm like, no, hollow pin chains have stronger pin strength because they have to do a different riveting process because it's hollow. Also <laughs> because sometimes a, a hollow structure is actually stronger than a solid structure. Engineers come back me up on this. So uh, the fun part is to talk to the kids and say, do you know what stiction really, is? But no, like, not, that's a falsehood. No, I think what Mike's getting at is that the, the no, pit, I got what Mike's getting at. There's an extra smashing process that makes it stronger. C- correct. But um, all, all else being equal, a solid shaft is stiffer than a hollow shaft. Stronger. Mm. Stiffer. Stiffer, stiffer and, and stronger. Mm. Yeah. So they, Meaning it will take more load and it will be stiffer in the process. Um, but using a hollow tube, you can use, say, a stronger material in more in a less less amount of it and achieve the same overall structure strength. Mm, maybe that's where that myth comes from. No, but yeah, like if you if you take a steel You've bar You've heard that myth, right? Or it's you're pronouncing it a myth, but or um well I think I would call it a misunderstanding. But I mean all all else being equal, I mean you know this too. If you all else being equal, a solid bar is stronger than a round bar, but when we start to talk oh, about strength mm-hmm. to rate ratio, mm-hmm. a round bar is amazing. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, a hollow, a hollow tube is amazing, which Got is it. why bikes are made out of hollow tubes. <laughs> yeah, you, there is right. like a lot of things, though, that we just don't see as a bike shop anymore. And I'll talk to one of the young mechanics and just be like, tell me what stiction is. And they're like, what's that? I, ch- I saw like, a chain suck <laughs> on the trail for the first time Whoa. in a while the other day. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, my, like kind of like not full chain suck, but like dancing chain. Yeah. And it was on a narrow wide system. Like this guy had actually worn a narrow wide system out to that point. Oh, wow. You know what I found sitting on my bench the other day was uh, I still have two JT's frame guards. Those are awesome. They were for two by oh, and one yeah. by systems. It was like this disc that didn't I let you. I have one. Of, I have one of those in my. I have of one of mine too. Memorabilia area. That was an that when that product came out, that was a true additional product to every bike I built from here on out. Like when that thing came out, that was a mandatory thing. Those are still shipping on production bikes when they're like really inexpensive and also. But not that actual brand, right? No, not the brand, but like the the same. That guy's licensed it and still making. No, No, that was a garage product. He hung it up. Mm. He was a customer at the path, by the way. Nice. Yeah, it it was a cool little product. Um, The reason I really had an affinity is because I had a rough prototype in high school that I mimicked after the GT iDrive with the big drum thing. I was like, oh, man, what if I made something? I actually kind of prototyped one. I, I wish I, that's one of the things I, I wish I kept. It was really crude, but the, the idea was the same. And then when someone actually made one, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. A lot of guess and check to set those things up. But sorry, I digress. I digress. I this makes me think of a tangent that I've been meaning to bring up on the show, which is, you know, modern with, with narrow wide clutch derailers and everything, do you need a chain guide? And who needs a chain guide? So I was a believer that you always needed a chain guide, and I've been peeling back on that, and I'm not having problems. Okay, so let me add to that. 
And I, you've said that on the show, actually. So my kind nomad came. My nomads have oh, yeah. come with a chain with chain guides, and that's cool. <laughs> and that's cool. But what I will say is, when you do drop your chain with a chain guide, it's harder to get it back on. Yes. Oh, I dropped my chain on a MRP SXG, which is the encapsulate yeah. top and bottom. Dude, I was pulling my crank off on that. And the, what is good is on, on a lot of the modern chain guides, you can kind of rotate the um, plates out of the way to get the chain on, which I didn't yeah. realize at first. The SXG is pretty, uh, like, you know what I'm talking about, Mike. That It's yeah. pretty, you've got to open up the bottom, open up the top. What like, is that, an MRP G2 something that comes on the Nomad? Uh, it's just, uh, no, it's an E13, E13. Uh, TRS race, I think. So on that one, you can, ro- the, the plates that would make it hard to get the chain back on or whatever, rotate out of the way, can kind of just by hand rotate out of the way. But then mm-hmm. those actually become wear items themselves, yeah. which I've also seen. Yeah, <laughs> the, the rotational wear? Yeah. Oh. Of the plates, you'll actually start, they won't engage shut anymore, and then they like Got pop it. open on the trail. Yeah. So I think my final thought on the chain guides right in the modern era is that maybe for race, they still might give you your best chance in the race right. because they might stop you from having to get off the bike and put the chain back on. But they you're not likely to drop chain with narrow wide and a clutch mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. And if you do, you'll wish you didn't have a chain guide on there when you're trying to get the chain back on. I don't, I don't disagree with your approach and I've, uh, I mean, there's still certain scenarios where I do feel compelled to run a chain guide, but if you asked me a year ago, I would say every one of my bikes is getting a chain guide and I've, I have backed off of that. I actually can't, I don't think I can really run one easily on my uh, 5010 3.0 because now that they've unified that triangle on the right side and there's no room for a front derailleur, um, when I mounted it on the ISCG tabs, it was actually trying to hit the swing arm. So it's like, mm. cool, I don't have mm. room for chain guide. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. But you could run a you could run a two-bolt lower taco, right? Two-bolt lower. Yeah, definitely. To just a perf- I think compassion. that's still a pretty le- yeah. pretty legit move. Although I think the window to hit that chain, like a 32 and not hit your down tube and not hit your chain stays is really narrow. Double well, railroad ties. <laughs> well, especially when rocking 32s and 30s. And, um, I, even I, just running them. You don't even have to rock them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I Well, and I guess to your point is I'm still, like in light of chain guides, I think when we're talking about the derailers, I personally am clinging to older principles that aren't actually happening anymore, meaning bashed and battered derailers on a somewhat frequent basis to the point of calling a consumable product, chains breaking, catastrophic derailers. So in but other also, words... also, I think most importantly, both of us have a strong point of reference that is pre-narrow wide and pre-clutch derailleur. Mm-hmm. Correct. Which and I think that's the biggest two things. They're, they're still in my we're going big today pack is mm-hmm. a um derailleur pulley and bolt mm-hmm. wow yeah i mean that's like i'm really clinging to the past is that <laughs> 12 speed or 11 speed <laughs> no it's like it's like an old 9 speed pulley with just and a something bolt to just get you some, home. maybe something to get you home but the, when was the last time anybody saw a pulley just fall out of a derailleur cuz i used to see that way too frequently Screws fall out all the time, sir. <laughs> well, we live in an imperfect world. On Might have been before they invented Loctite. The uh, the e- <laughs> like kidding. Eagle and the modern one by derailers, those pulleys can reach down pretty far. So I'll still see some damage on there. 
So, oh, okay. Speaking of which, the Axis rear derailleur has a shortened uh, idler cage length, so trying to add extra ground clearance. And I think they felt confident about keeping good shifting design um, just via the electronic means. So, so uh, you know, I think this is an interesting point because I agree that I, I think this electronic shifting is a really cool direction to go. Kind of what does in what does that say about Shimano in a way like pulling the ripcord on it, like basically they're back to first like Shimano's offering first generation Eagle like cable Eagle, yeah, essentially. And it's while I think Shimano makes great product, I I really like the looks of the XTR. I think there's something. I think in six months or a year, we're going to be talking about Shimano aftermarket sales maybe hurting a little bit by comparison. Like I, I, I feel like they kind of maybe went the wrong way. Well, it feels like they're a generation behind. And when I kind of got some news on like how they felt about, um, well, their decision to like not work on electronic stuff for 12 speed as well um, with the new XTR and. What I was told was that, well, the Mountain Di2 stuff didn't sell very well. And I was thinking, well, yeah, that, false that's, negative. Your, that's your fault, though. Like, that's... It was super complicated. It, it was complicated, and the there wasn't a lot of readily available information online. I had some fairly knowledgeable, fairly smart customers come in and just go, look, like, I feel like I should be able to figure this out, and I can't. And I was like, yeah, well, I got a lot of, like, E2 wire part numbers memorized, so I... We can probably you know connect the dots for you, but in comparison, um, the SRAM stuff is just kind of well. The fact that you don't have to pick wire lengths and figure out you know junction boxes and things like that, it just makes it so much easier. Well, and this isn't our listeners' fault or the consumers' fault, but for a lot of bike shops, like what's the what's the motivation to learn all that stuff if that same consumer, when they buy it from you at the normal retail price, might decide that you're a shyster and lose trust in your whole pricing structure because it can be had from chain a, reaction from, from chain reaction or some other retailer across the pond for less than the, than the person who's than the bike shop can get it for from right. Shimano. Yeah. So I think that, I think you know, that cut a lot of bike shops out of, out of the conversation about uh, out of even wanting to that, sell it, right? Well, it just cut us out of the conversation. Well, if the path were a little more complex than this, but I think in general it cut a lot of bike shops out of the conversation. Yeah. Well, and and so to that point, I think... Which I don't ex- think is good for the product. Yeah, I mean, Shimano as a company essentially made a decision about their new product based on kind of a bad root cause analysis. Essentially, mm-hmm. the question was, why is electronic shifting not selling? And the answer is was a lot more complex. They're like, oh, because people don't like it. They buy cable more. It's like, no. Well, the real answer are, answers were, I think, because it didn't have the gear range of Eagle. Right. And because it had wires still connected to it, which seemed really 20th century. Right. And because it didn't include the retailers in the sales process and... I think Shimano underestimated the importance of the retailers in the conversation. Well, especially on a setup that complicated. I especially. And like just having the experience of setting up about, I'm going to say like seven or eight different. And by retailers, I'm talking about the U.S. retailers because that's my world. That's my small pond. 
Yeah, setting up like those seven or eight different bikes for customers. So aftermarket DI2 install, like it, it was just it's it's just challenging. Like it's a, it's a some jobs are harder than others kind of thing. But know? not it's, quite like a Talos two. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I also want to talk about this seat post a little bit. Oh, the AXS seat post. Yeah, can can yeah. I share one little story? Um, the uh, the pole guys on Instagram, um, they were at one of the enduro races, and Cedric Gracia was one of the EWS racers that had it. And if you realize that the shifters are now on the bike with one bolt. End of story. One bolt. Mm-hmm. So they walked over with one screw, took off his dropper lever, and then filmed him as he walked over. And like you see his thumb just like pass under the bar and him lean on the seat post, and they're just cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny. <laughs> there's that. So AXS is all hanging on by one bolt, and your buddies just have to have one one uh, T25 in their pocket. And all of a sudden, you ain't shifting, you ain't dropping. <laughs> Pack some mud in there. <laughs> So the cool thing about this seat post, um, dropper seat posts are kind of limited by how the actuation works. So, you know, there's usually like a little lever at the bottom of the seat post that a cable's hooked up to. Um, it's a pretty fragile little piece. It's Small fragile. and yep. moving. And- I have dropped a Fox seat post on the ground once and it snapped off just instantly. It's pretty cool. Um, the you're fired yeah (laughs) uh the reverb uh even though it's got hydraulics for the remote it's still using like a mechanical activation it's just getting pushed by fluid against the piston um so with all of these when you're pushing the remote you know the remote lever has got a distance that it can move so you you start to apply pressure and then at some point the seat post starts to move but it's not moving at full speed and then it doesn't move at full speed until that lever like reaches the bottom of its travel. So from the time that you're thinking, I want to have my seat post come up to the time that it actually tops out, it's delayed by like all these like little mechanical motions that your hand has to make. So if you change that to a simple on off switch where it's like, Oh, on means full speed and off means it's not moving. Then the time that it takes for you to get that thing topped out from when your brain first sends the command becomes really short. And that's why the reverb access post is, I like to say, it seems like it's the fastest post out there. Do you think you could get like an extra pedal stroke in on someone? Maybe. I've, I mean, yeah, I've had my sure. thumb slip off uh, because of the throw and the action as, as the lever changes. I've had my thumb slip off of uh, dropper levers in in like race conditions. And that's when I started like grip taping them and things like that. And the other fun thing is that because they can put that actuation mechanism anywhere they want, it doesn't have to be at the bottom anymore. Then they can now design the seat post the way they want it to be designed. So the reverb access seat post is actually built like a non stealth reverb, uh, where the hose would run up to the top and like not to get too technical, but from a mechanic perspective, um, the non-stealth reverb, all the hydraulic internals and how they're laid out, I like a lot more, and I feel like it's more robust. And this is anecdotal on my part. Well, just really from a super fundamental, basic level, it's better to have your hydraulics junctions at a high point than a low point, I think. From like a bleeding standpoint, from a, from an air getting caught somewhere standpoint, 
And so moving that stuff Mike around. Mike nodded, yes. A lo- <laughs> Sorry, radio. Uh, from a design standpoint, it allows them to put an extra feature at the bottom of the post, which is this feature to bleed off some air or like cycle the air back to where it's supposed to go, um, which is the cause of the – it's addressing the cause of seat post sag. Uh, seat post sag is just like you've got your seat post extended, you sit on it, you feel it compress a little bit. Um, that's air getting into a place that's supposed to just have hydraulic oil. Uh, and by allowing you to address that just by taking the seat post out of the frame and then also not having a like hydraulic... push a button. Push a button, yeah. Push a button and lean on it. It's like 90 seconds. Kind of like the Revive. Yeah, Which, very similar. We, have we had Revives in the shop? One or two. There's one right over there. Okay. On, and Our, on the TV. friend in uh, Santa Monica has one. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, whatever. Um, so they've addressed basically the two biggest concerns about a reverb, a reverb seat post, which is the like annoyance sometimes of the hydraulic remote and the sag and needing to rebuild the seat post in order to address the sag. So now you're just getting that seat post in every 200 hours for a minor service and every 600 hours for a serious service. So your maintenance costs are going to go down a lot and you're going to have less annoyance factor of like, oh, like I got to rebleed my seat post remote just because it's too slow right now. And now I don't have to visit the shop to do that. It's just, it's, it works. Yeah, I'm in. I, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I think the cost is, is still pretty high, but. Oh yeah. I, uh, that's only like 24 days, 600 hours. Yeah. 600 hours of usage. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> but it's 300 two-hour rides. You could have one one Ever post and multiple shifters across multiple bikes. Well, and even that, you can just unbolt the shifter and like, you know. Yeah, it's a one, yeah. it's a one you bolt. You can just move your one. Yeah. yeah. Just have the bracket and, and sure. it's a one bolt change. Well, this was when I was describing the, yeah, like... So. I wonder how the e-verb is going to work when you pedal up next to your buddy and, like, push their e-verb and see if you can drop their post for them when, they, when they're on a climb. It'll be really Oh, quick. you mean reaching over to their handlebar? Yeah. You know, from the moment that Kinda I like when that, you would ooh, yeah. Remember when on group rides we would, like, pedal up next to each other and pull each other's seat quick release? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> from the moment that I think about that in mind, to reach over and push the button, it'll be a lot quicker. Yes, that was the point I was trying to make. <laughs> exactly, before. it'll yeah. be a lot. It's like yeah. almost psychic. psychic. It's it's weird though. Like I think about it. I try to happen. describe. Well, I'm it thinking people. about it. <laughs> like the button on the bottom of the seat post is how you address sag, and they're like, okay, so I gotta like pull my seat post out, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You're just unbolting your seat collar and pulling it out. You don't have to slide the line, and they're like, oh my god, I didn't think of that. Like. Wait, so this is like having a rigid seat post again, except I can move it up and down. Like, yeah. it's so easy. It's yeah. Nah, I think I, I'm. I think the stuff is pretty cool. I think we're on that initial phase where everything's at the maximum price and it's XX one only, but it's going to roll out really quick. Like all of it. I guess the the seat post is probably going to remain the same. They don't have like a lower level. Right. I have post, seen but. them lower like prices on some electronic stuff before after a year they they have done that with a couple things so SRAM or in the road side yeah okay they did it with shock whizzes and i think they've either done it or they're like going to do it with tire whizzes oh cool yeah i can't wait till i just kind of like see a downhill and my seat goes down (laughs) 
yeah. inclinometer on the bike that just you no, know. it's like it's something connected to my. It's like Elon Musk's new like brain connection. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to like wiggle my nose to the left and make this e post. No, because that's still a mechanical. <laughs> that's still a mechanical. I'm talking complete Neuralink. You don't have to have a. You don't have to have a physical expression of your desire. Uh, well, it's still physical because there's neurons firing and there's a chemical reaction and stuff. Maybe it doesn't even need to be have to be physical. It could but be. it's nothing a poker player could pick up on. <laughs> Certainly no, nothing that would be on Bewitched. It could be an immaterial thought. I'm, I don't I'm know why. To I, how I don't know money. why you think this is a Bewitched episode. No, I, I'm trying to think how much money I would have to pay. Like how much I'd be comfortable paying for like surgery to put like a little electronic thing that is an implant that hooks up to my bike. And but what if thoughts like... are immaterial? <laughs> the nose twitching might be the same as the neuron firing. So why just skip that? Just jump to the immaterial thought. Blink twice for up, once for down. And it senses my emotion, my immaterial emotion. My it even proper... knows before you. It it, it it senses your like precursor reactions You're before right. well, you even know. It's like is is the ego or the super ego driving this seat <laughs> post? That's the thing I'm concerned about. It's an important question. It's like because my mean, brain might be like, the, I'll bet you the, I can high post off that. If drop, it's the super you know? ego, we might not have a lot of good shred signaling. <laughs> uh, but if it's the ego, we would have good shred signaling. Like it would raise a little just to show you could like. I I don't need. I could high post this. I, right, you, right, you're lowering yeah. your seat post. I'm high posting. This. Oh man! And then you go off the drop, and you're like, "Why didn't my seat post go down?" And then you it's clear like, it, and you're like, "Now I understand. It was all a plan. I now <laughs> know I can ego." Go off <laughs> Where the super ego would more be like everyone lower their seat post. <laughs> it's great because like seat posts and super ego and stuff naturally leads towards a phallic conversation. So <laughs> I guess it could yeah. if you're Freudian. Yeah, something extending 180 millimeters would just thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it brings me back to our battery conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we almost might have recorded a podcast already. Yeah, I think I think we're there. Is there anything else we wanted to? Are we touch at ninety on? minutes yet? Yeah, we're, we're generally more or less. Oh, like bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end be of the told. podcast. Well, we have and we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a shout out. Shout, shout outs to, for Mike. Yeah, I uh, cannot stress enough how much or how proud I am of like all the tech staff and how we run things at, at our two shops. And like, if you've had a lot of experience with bike shops before, uh, and you're not sure about trying us, you should give us a try. Uh, I think that we will impress you. And I think that we, we do do some things the same way as some other shops, but I think that we do things better, uh, no matter what. And yeah, I please come down and make use of our services. And I think you, Elijah, I think you'll find that we are um, students of the process and we're here to listen and that we are also definitely um, well-versed and confident in our game. And um, to that point, maybe we'll close on a little more news because we do need a couple of techs. And we would probably hire a fit technician if the right one came along. And we would take various other um, resumes as well. 
Um, and I would add to that that a little, just a, a side note on the fact that the bike industry tends to be fairly homogenous, fairly standardized, and fairly kind of um, mainly people of one identity set. And um, the path isn't aiming to be part of that. And if you think you might be someone who might be um, able to contribute to a more diverse um, bike shop experience, we would especially welcome your resume. Sweet. So um, if if in any way you think you could, tr- could contribute to our team, mainly what we're looking for is commitment and talent and people who want to be part of something fun and a learning environment and a, and a curious environment and a challenging environment, but a, a safe, challenging environment where you're going to feel supported by the people around you. Um, that's mainly what we're looking for. But also, if you're not just going to contribute to everyone in the bike industry looking the same, we would be really excited to be part of that, too. And we'd welcome your resume. I feel safe but challenged there at a daily basis. <laughs> I think that's... I mean, I more and more over the last five years or so, and partly from prodding from Nathan, I think, I've made myself a student of what is a good place to work. And... I think a safe, challenging environment is a big key to that. Yeah, I I agree. That's one of the things I I like where I work as well. Is we, uh, I I do feel comfortable to fail and be like, hey, you know that thing I said was going to work? It didn't work. <laughs> but also, you can't just coast, right? Like you've got to bring it. Well, time to try version two. <laughs> right. You got to work hard. You've got to like try stuff. You've got to be working yeah. on it. Yep. And trying to learn and trying to build and trying to, yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. So it's always a challenge. But yeah, it's a, um, especially if you want to move the needle, you know, it's, you got to be, you got to be willing to, you know, you got to be willing to stuff it. And because otherwise you're just going to do what's safe every time. How else are you going to put points on the board? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, should I should I tease the uh, the stupid purchase? You should you should just tell everyone what you're doing. Yeah, so um, I uh, we we can talk about the pers- the the kickoff of that at another stage. But basically, maybe, you know what? Maybe we need to. Did you want to slightly address that? Or well, we should address the situation. Like the path is no longer a transition dealer. Yeah. That wasn't a choice the path made. We would have been happy to continue to represent transition. Um, they were looking for dealers who would stock more of their product, and it, hopefully they found them. Um, so I was a little bummed, but it freed me. It it uh, it freed my mind to then think of what's next. And there there's a name that if you've been listening to the show for a while, it keeps coming mm-hmm. up. It keeps coming up and. Sometimes you just got to scratch that itch. And uh, so I pulled the trigger and pre-ordered, um, or as I almost like to refer to as I, I commissioned a piece of mechanical art. <laughs> Ooh, maybe we should leave it at that without revealing the name. <laughs> oh, they, they all... Hook. They, they oh, all a good hook. They all... They all I think all, all our listeners know, but I, uh, I, I put my money where my mouth is. and is I Crank Brothers? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, lay down a pre-order for a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was weird. 
I I laid down the the pre-order for the Pole Stamina 180 extra large. And and come on, God, all dude. out there. <laughs> Half truth, just a, truth be told, dude. Seriously, I mean, you bought, come you, on. You bought a Jeep and you bought a stamina. If, and if I was being honest, <laughs> well, let's just say I got a stamina coming. It's on the way someday. In May and June. May or may not have bolts <laughs> holding it together. <laughs> may or, may no, that's no joke. Okay, so here's the, here's the deal. That's with, no joke. No, that's not a joke. So all here, kidding aside. <laughs> all kidding aside. Here, here's the deal with Pole is, is here's the buying experience. Here, here's the buying experience. I'm looking at the thing going like, yeah, okay, they're clicking the boxes. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm all the boxes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. 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 Yep, I'm, I'm, I definitely got to do it. So I go online and you go on and you plug in your credit card and your credit card's like, what did you just do? And the credit card company's like, no, you got to call us. <laughs> and uh, it's like declined. I'm like, oh, run it through PayPal. They're like, no, still declined. You're not making this decision. I'm like, shit. So I get on the phone with the credit card company. And I was like, "Listen, I got I got to let a charge go through." Well, we need yeah, I, it's yes, it's a it's really expensive. It's in Finland. It's okay. And they're like, "Well, we have to verify, sir." And I was like, "God, I, I was really waiting for them. They're like, are you really buying that frame?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a mountain biker, and are you really buying that frame, sir? <laughs> yeah. So, direct answer: I don't know what's going to happen in customs. I have no idea. It was fifty bucks to ship it. In theory, I'll get it in May. Maybe I'll have it for a race. Maybe I won't. And if you follow the Instagram thing that uh, Leo, um, oh, why am I? His name's escaping me. Kakonen, um, I think Leo Kakonen or whatever the you know the head designer slash marketing slash everything goes. You know, you just look for updates on his Instagram go live thing. You gotta watch like thirty minutes, and he talks about how great the bike. And he's like, and we've been experimenting and. Looks like we don't need bolts, so we're just gluing it together. I was like, okay, I guess we're going that way. <laughs> no bolts. <laughs> we'll see what I get. And um, and so anyway, I, I'm excited. I, 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 I joke, but I actually do feel like in a way it is kind of like patronizing the mechanical arts because that thing I think is really cutting edge and, and pretty awesome. Um, definitely been hustling, like selling things off to try to backfund this. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty good there and I, you know, just ordered the frame, but I, uh, I think, um, I have been running extra large transitions, which is a size larger than is recommended for me. And I, I've realized that I feel like I've gained certain speed and certain abilities in certain areas that have polished out and really opened some doors for me. And I want more of that. And I don't know where the limit is, but I'm going, I want a lot more of it. And I, I agree with the decisions that they're making, and I'm willing to give it a shot. I got to play around with a couple of polls at our demo day, at our demo fair a couple of weeks ago, because some of the Crank Brothers guys have them. Oh, nice. They have the welded ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So the, the stamina, the, the new machine staminas, there's a 180, they... The 140 was originally called the Bushmaster, which I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but now they renamed it and it's called the um, Stamina 180 and the Stamina 140. Um, they took things a couple steps farther that really clicked it over for me. And like one of them is the extra large with 
a 540 millimeter reach has a 17 and a half inch seat tube. I, I know I'm switching, but like I know seat tubes and lengths. It's it's a really freaking short seat post hmm. or seat tube. Um, that so used to be called a medium. Yeah, so like call that a medium, uh, yeah, right? And this is their their extra large. Their head tubes are really tall. The head tubes are super slack. I, I mean, so if they have long head tubes, uh, for the for the bigger ones, yeah, their head tubes are relatively long. We've always agreed on that. I yeah, I like long head tubes, especially for big bucks. Yes, tall people. Yeah, because they don't move proportionally. A lot of brands and. Um, and, and the big number, and this is an independent number that I've had in my head for a long time. And everybody's like, how steep do you want a seat tube angle? I was like 80, I want 80 degree seat tube angle. And everybody's like, what? I was like, no, I'm not kidding. I want 80. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and stamina and polls like, Hey, by the way, yeah, it's got an 80 degree seat tube. I was like, right on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, a, a lot of what I've been doing is doing overlays on bikes, taking the pictures and scaling them and overlaying them. And one of the bikes that was in the running was a Nikolai Geometron. And they say their seat tube is relatively seat tube reported seat tube angles. Just throw them out the window. It, they really don't line up. Like the other day I was looking at bikes uh, for my girlfriend and her bike is a 70 reported 74 and I overlaid it with a bike with a reported 72 and a half, and you overlay them, and they're right on top of each other because I think, of how you report I it. think the industry should conform to, with effective seat tube angles, it's measured at a specific height from the bottom bracket. Yeah. And it needs to be and the then, same for everybody. And then everyone will have an apples-to-apples effective seat tube. And you can adjust And you know what? It still won't be apples-to-apples because to the degree that the effective is different than the actual it will still vary. It's not a linear equation, right? So it'll still vary. But at least we no, can it, have a conversation. It about is linear, but you then. need two points. No, it's not because if one bike has, a, say, say, one bike has an effective seventy three and an or an actual seventy three and an effective seventy four or whatever, if another one the effective is further from the actual it will change more as it gets higher. Well, that's what I mean by to, to know, essentially you need to know the trajectory of the seat. Mm-hmm. And that's why you would need say a size for a large and a small. And then you know, two points and you know, the, you, you need to know the line in which it you need moves. to know the actual really at a given height, basically. And so, or pull, the effective at a given at right at your height. Right. And the pull. And so but here, just knowing it at a height, is it the same as knowing it at your height? If the, right. It would be really cool if but you if could they, go on a frame geometry page and punch in, here's my bottom bracket to saddle height, and it says, here's what your seat tube angle is. And that's what, that's what I've been like doing with not, picture analysis. That's, that's not, an algorithm that shouldn't be that hard. It's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an interesting know, point. So where the like, geometry chart isn't a static thing, it's an algorithm right, for a given and, saddle height. And yeah. even that, more importantly to me, the number that I've in my – when I look at things – That's an interesting idea. The number – my output number for me to make decisions, I don't even care about the angle. I'm looking at distance from the bottom bracket. But if you that's the number knew, I look at. If you if you were looking at it from an angle at your height, you would get the same outcome. Or you could. But you have you to know that measuring. number offhand. But essentially, what what you want to know is where is. Or the, another way of saying that is, you yeah. need to know the angle at your height to get the offset at your height. Like, no, what I'm saying is the angle, the angle is still an indirect measurement of the number that you actually want. And the number that you actually want is where's my butt relative to my feet. Sure. And so that's what I'm saying is if you're going to take the time to do the calculator, let's all just readjust and have a distance behind your feet that you want your butt. 
And that's the number you want. And when I'm looking at bikes, that's how I make decisions. No, that makes sense. And so for the poll, the number my takeaway was compared to my Sentinel or, or, or my smuggler, bikes, they had the same T2 angle. The pole is going to put my butt 60 millimeters farther forward. And in turn... Then your Sentinel, which is probably the next steepest option for you. It's definitely on, the, on the, mo- the steepest mainstream option. Mainish stream. Mainish stream. Yeah. And probably the third or fourth steepest option, period. Probably. Like I, Geometron, I, like... Everything else is... No, the Geometron's really close. The Geometron, again, that suffers from the actual versus real, it's not that steep. It's definitely not pole steep. So what's close? What's past Sentinel? A, a Nikolai by a hair. I, I need to double check not my numbers. Not much else, right? Like, no, but for example, like a, the Yeti is right on top of a, a transition, believe it or not. Like the Yetis are actually really steep. Because they're effective and actual are very close. Partly I th- why. I think so. I, I'd need to double check the I think sketch. the difference is just that the um, C-tube goes, like arrives slightly in front of the bottom bracket. But right. other than that, it's just a straight C-tube. Pretty close, yeah. And so here's how that, that drove my decision is having that butt in front farther forward number. Now I knew that the pole was uh, 40 millimeters longer reach. So I knew that me getting an extra large was not going to, I wasn't going to be stretched out like I was riding my big brother's bike kind of thing, which I didn't want. Actually, my butt and my hands were going to be 20 millimeters closer together on a bike that was overall 60 millimeters longer if i have to guess if there's a problem that's going to be the problem probably and i fully admit that i may but you might just a... slide your seat back a little and then it might be fun i got 20 millimeters to play with just to equalize right so um and uh and you'll and... still be in front of where your transition was correct yes by 40 millimeters right um so but I will fully admit this could be a total utter mistake. I could throw a leg over. In other words, I'm looking for the limit. I'll let you guys know. I'll report back if I find it because <laughs> I might. As a gambling man, I would say I'm going to bet on your judgment on this. I think you're going to like it. I, or, and I don't know. I mean, like yeah. I wouldn't be that surprised either and, way. But. And my personality, like just in general, I've been known to overshoot, like take too much of a good thing and crank it to an 11 and find the limit. Like in – or or over exaggerate a pointer. Like none. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but uh I'm really excited. It was um I haven't been this excited probably because it's so different. I, I mean I haven't been this excited about getting something in a while. I'm so excited. I, I Nathan. I, I am. <laughs> and I think I think the machining is cool. Let's go I have a gas fight. <laughs> <laughs> I I do get some kind of warm and fuzzy on some first world labor that's actually putting the product together like this is built by the hands of wealthy first class first world people <laughs> for sure it's a it's a fin hitting go on a Haas CNC Someone machine like really good healthcare when they machine that oh yeah. Frame. yeah oh yeah <laughs> when they get a cut they are well taken care of yeah, yeah. um you know, I, I like the story, the recyclability. It's all arguable, and like you know, I, I'm not a sustainability expert, but I, I generally like the story. I think it's pretty well, cool. Well, we appreciate the effort, even right. the th- even the nod to the problem, right? And here's what it does do, and this is what I uh, really, really like is that from and he admits this from concept he to does. bike, bike, yeah, 
from concept to bike in hand, it takes them about three months. Like, and also they can change geometry, pivot positions. They can change pretty much anything about that bike whenever they want. Oh, yeah, there's no mold. There's no molds. Yeah. There's no molds. There's no jigs. There's like it's basically the time to program a CNC machine. And I work at a company where we have five CNC machines and three operators. And I can send a part down in the morning and have a. They will take the CAD file create the cnc file cut the part by the afternoon yeah so once he's done with the cad file he can have a well i mean they have some more assembly stuff they know there's hell to pay right (laughs) you can i mean if he's got a really responsive machine shop i'm not exactly sure how they're responding but he can have a bike really quick yeah like way faster than probably much faster than you could even get taiwan to weld you up a mule and ship it over it means you can try things a lot more often too so you can I mean, imagine how many designs they scrap, and yes. but like well, at least they tried them and they know that they don't like them. Correct. I, I'm a big believer in iterative, right process. And this is a this is a very low cost iterative methodology that they're they're using. And as a result, I think we see them um, not having to make conservative decisions. They can swing for the fences because they can always dial it back whenever they want. You know, they're not stuck to a mold that they overshot and no one wants. Um, so I, I think it's, I think there's a lot of really cool, fascinating things going on. Yeah. It's not an exotic carbon fiber. It's glued together, machined aluminum. Like, I mean, this is really old school. Like, ah, glue's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, so that video on Instagram of you, um, cleaning the little climb on lizards. Oh yeah. When was that? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like two weekends ago. Like that little week. hop at the top was some nice showboating, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I needed it to kind of recenter. Cause I, I was, was there gonna... today and I'm looking at it, and I didn't even try it today, to be honest. Oh yeah, the the I we, this is so common, right? But I don't actually don't think the video quite does it justice. No, like, it doesn't. No, I I don't close. think I've I don't have a it's good knowledge difficult. of that trail, and yeah, yeah. Is it is it worse than? Riding off or riding up the main drop off at the top of Oaks oh. back when it wasn't all yes definitely yes. I would say yes it's worse yeah. I yeah. used I would say that's, that's I impressive. used to be like seventy percent on that yeah. the Oaks climb and I don't think I would ever have been more than like thirty percent on this climb like, well th- this climb you also you you can get no more than two uh, two bike lengths of run at it. Oh, yeah, that sucks. And there's that exposure to the left is kind of weird, too. Yeah, don't mess it up. <laughs> Tani has experience with that, I think. Well, okay, so I was looking at it today. I fell to the low side below the tree, mm. which is still a pretty good tumble. Yeah. But you could make it a little further and <laughs> fall above the tree, yes. and you that would be to. like a 10-foot, like, yeah. straight up, like, like just, like, to, to free flat. fall. Yeah. Yeah. You might not remember it. <laughs> well, if that happened to you, yeah. Right. Oh. I, so when when I made it like pretty much to the top and then kind of fell backwards right. and to the left. But if you made it to the top and just fell straight to the left, yeah, it could would be, be really bad. Yeah. I was kind of really looking at it today. Nice. I'm going to have to check that thing out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should we should probably wrap. All right. Wrap, wrap. Okay. So anyway, I just wanted to tease that. Well, and also I was just excited. That's more than a teaser. Hopefully our listeners yeah. listeners feel um, properly teased. <laughs> well, it's teased on the fact that I'm not getting it until May, so I won't be able to tell you anything about it, very actually. True. Very true. Until May and, and June, Man, respectively. Your, your shred signaling levels are going to go through the roof when that comes. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going like, to lie. 
when those guys from Crank Brothers rolled up with poles, I was like, and like, these guys must really shred. <laughs> Welded poles. <laughs> yeah. You should get a you should get like an Elmer sticker. An Elmer with the, <laughs> for the glue. <laughs> I, 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 we don't need, I was thinking more like Hankel, you know. No stinking bolts. <laughs> I don't need a stinking bolt. Dude, if this thing like I I got friends like Dude, it's glued together. There's all the, that's gonna creak. I was like, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was bolts, like, I hey, don't care. Bolts don't loose. Bolts loosen up. Glue doesn't. Glue just well. Glue just goes away. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think it's gonna be very different. Maybe it'll suck. Obviously, I'm betting that it won't. But I realize that it might. I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't suck. think it's gonna. Yeah. I think you're gonna be stoked up. I probably will. So chill. I will be ex- stoked for a while. <laughs> all right well that was so chill and uh for nathan and ock and special thanks to mike um love the bike you ride